This is Scott McNamara with What's New in Adapted Physical Education. I'm just doing a quick introduction to this episode. We're going to talk to uh, the two members that kind of were the brainchilds uh, of this consortium for adapted physical activity and, and mentoring different in um, mentoring future doctoral students and, and, and professors and, and PhDs. Um, but before that, I just wanted to say happy holidays to everyone and happy new year. I know it has been a really crazy 2020 and I am hoping that 2021 is a lot better for us as people and for our profession. I think that physical education and adaptive physical education right now and adaptive physical activity are so essential to trying to, to continue to have that high quality of life uh, for everyone. So um, this is just a, a well wish to everyone. Um, I hope everyone is safe and healthy and happy as much as possible right now. And um, thank you for listening as always. And we will see you in 2021. Hello, this is Scott McNamara with What's New in Adaptive Physical Education. Uh, I'm bringing you another exciting episode. Today, we're going to talk about this new Adaptive Physical Activity Consortium, which we've highlighted a little bit in the last few months. And we have kind of the creators of the idea for it, as well as the ones that went and pursued the grant and, and got the monies to kind of actually implement it, Justin Hagel from Old Dominion University. And we have Dr. Jun Kuyun, who often goes by JK, from East Carolina University. And we, so we have two wonderful scholars in our field of adapted physical activity who have created these wonderful or very new program that I think is making waves and going to hopefully make our profession all the more stronger in the years to come. So uh, before we get into the Adaptive Physical Activity Consortium that you've all created, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your background in APA? I'm Justin Hagel. I am an associate professor here at Old Dominion University, focused most of the things I do, as you mentioned, in Adapted Physical Activity or Adapted Physical Education. Um, I got my PhD focused in that area from The Ohio State University back in 2015, and I've been here at ODU ever since. Don't really know what else to say about myself um, other than I get to work with JK often, so I'll, I'll leave it to him. All right. Uh, the, my name is Chun Guyun. People call me JK. And uh, what can I start here? So I, I did my PhD from Indiana University in some while ago, and then I got a first job at University of Rhode Island, URI. And I worked after that, I moving to uh, Oregon State and I was at Oregon State for 20 years. And then I moved to a ECU, you know, a year and a half ago. So I, I studied with a that physical education and that physical activity under Dale Orwick. And prior to that, that I was in University of Wisconsin La Crosse doing a that physical education, doing my master's. 
And I can keep going for the next 45 minutes. <laughs> well, you know, I'm going to ask one follow-up. So you just went to uh, ECU, and I believe as the chair of the department, correct? Right. I am I'm chair of the department. And I, I want to just ask one kind of completely off the, the radar question is how has like, how has the transition been to be a new chair in a new department? And then with the pandemic, um, how, how have you navigated that? So I don't know, you know, there, there, I was a chair before pandemic for the seven months. And then after chair for a pandemic for seven months, I really don't have a references. But you know, the, everything is going in, you know, is a learning experience. So I really don't have any reference to say how good, how bad, you know, how difficult, how hard it is. Just that I was a really, you know, as a part of all learning experiences there. But actually, one of the interesting things about this chair role is uh, you actually has a, you work with the people with disability that give you actually a lot of. Uh, strategies and you know understanding and also I had a, some grants before I was joining here so that give you actually a great idea of how to doing a financial management and also in Oregon State I was uh, very lucky to have a, some a program so give you uh, us to understand give me to understanding a uh, facility management personal management so it was a good transition, it's a bigger scale, but it's a pretty much similar to what I have been doing before the last 20 years at Oregon State. Very cool. Yeah, I, I look at anybody, uh, every every kind of job and everything I look at now with the pandemic, I go, man, that's gotta be hard. And you kind of wonder what the, the different ins and outs are for all those. So we're gonna talk, uh, let's talk a little bit about this multi-institutional APA mentorship consortium you all have created. and. I've, this has like kind of been a step process to get to you all. We started in September, some of your PhD scholars that are in the program. And then last month, we had several of the university faculty that are on the consortium talk about their roles and mentorship and, and so on and so forth. And now we're kind of talking to um, the, the people that have created this. So let, let's just start out with like, what is the consortium? Let's start out with that. What is the consortium um, and what does it look like and how does it function? So the consortium is, you know, in order to actually talking about consortium, you need to be, need to be understanding where is it coming from. So, so, you know, I'll give you a little bit about where this idea is coming from and what we are accomplishing in, in, in that manner. So, Prior to I wrote this consortium, I was very lucky to have a great mentor, and I had a, a number of a training grants in both masters and PhD level. And then one year, the NICPEED, or I call consortium, but a lot of a younger generation called NICPEED, I went there, and then there are project officers came. And project officers, you know, the raise, you know, introduced a different mechanism. One is called three to five H mechanism. And I've been in the field 20, 25 years and I, I never heard that mechanism before. So purpose of those a consortium, they call, what we call, is a, a trying to a smaller field getting together to creating more comprehensive education packages. So as you know, a lot of universities, 
in United States, the adult physical activity, adult physical education is a one-man show. Or if you're lucky, you have a two. You know, I don't think any school has more than three. So the relatively small number of people there. And so doctor training is a very, sometimes can be very narrow point of view because you do not get a multiple perspectives. So idea of a consortium is a bring a different perspectives you know, from different people to trying to be providing more comprehensive adapted education. If we're going to talk about kind of the history of this thing happening, I think, which is which I think is kind of serendipitous in a lot of ways. Uh, when we're in this uh, NICPED meeting, um, I think it was Luis who gave the uh, the presentation. I believe is that correct, J.K. Right. So Luis gave us presentation. So the three to five H mechanism was uh, introduced. So Justin and I, we sat down and then talked to him about it. And then I think there are a few other people kind of come and go so I sat down a little bit. You know, you know I, I think Sujana Dillon was joining a little bit later. And we were talking about the possibility of putting a faculty together to providing more comprehensive, you know, doctorate training education. So, you know, that was what, what is really the starting point and when we go home, went home, uh, we look at the previous RFA, and when we reviewing that, there are no way we can apply because that RFA was very limited to a certain group of people only. So what we did was we developed the concept paper, and we shared there. This is uh, the con you know the direction we are interested in, and then there are the DC actually the, the U.S. Department of Education actually uh, invite us to, to come to Washington, D.C. And we met a number of people there and we presented. And in, in my recollection, Justin felt like that meeting was horrible because they are just drilling us. Yeah. Well, and, I also don't know how I should have felt because, you know, I don't know what, I, I, I haven't known what I was doing this entire time. And I guess it's important to note, like this isn't something that the, our, our, the call came out and JK and I decided then let's write this grant up. It was at least two, if not two and a half years worth of back work just to set up the application for the grant where JK and I were meeting on a, a weekly basis. So, I, I mean, yeah, there was a lot more background uh, involved in this than I think people might realize. and. I, I just want to quickly publicly thank JK for like the years of spending a whole bunch of time with me trying to teach me about uh, this grant in particular, uh, because we really did spend, I mean, I couldn't count the hours that we've spent on Zoom or on the phone talking about it, leading up to the grant, learning about like how to apply for this grant, how to write the grant. Um, I think that I gained this huge benefit from writing the actual narrative of a good deal of the grant and then having his consistent feedback from the writing. And, and now that we're implementing the grant, it's like this whole other learning process. So um, trying to, uh, you know, trying to think of higher ed or academia as like this lifelong learning process. I've gotten such benefit out of this, probably more so than anybody else, I would think, uh, because I basically learned the ins and outs of this uh, this grant application. It's kind of a tangent. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, I, I want to dive a little bit into, and, and thank you, JK, for kind of bringing us back to the beginning of it. Now, 
I kind of want to talk about that need for, for a second. Um, So, you know, you went and you wrote this, this grant for this, and you talked a little bit about those narrow perspectives that because there's often one, two, three of us that we don't get those wide perspectives. And, And can we just talk briefly about the, the, the need and the why, and maybe why it might be bad to have those narrow perspectives in each of these kind of training facilities we have? So, you know, there, you know, I was in research one school. So, you know, there are many times students, what they are viewing is uh, everything is what research one school's point of view. And the world of everything in higher education is research one school. There are, you know, a lot more, you know, they're, they're, you know, comprehensive or different category of school there. And many of our students uh, end up with a, the, a position in, you know, if you came from the, a, a university who does not really focusing on research, and then many of us will not going to survive in you know in a university environment. So, as a field, it is a really important to creating a uh, you know the different point of view, different perspective, and at the same time building a strong competencies on what university faculty require not only research, teaching, and service. And it is, a, it is always difficult to providing those perspectives from the one person. So, you know, actually when we're trying to building consortium, you know, we're trying to building a scaffolding of a more seasoned people, medium career people, and, you know, relatively very promising, but young people together. So it's not only training for the a doctorate students, but also training a, you know, working together or collaborative environment for their faculty line too. So we can helping each other to, to uh, increasing capacity of other physical activity. Very interesting. Yeah, I think uh, navigating the, the higher ed side of it is very difficult. And I, I, you know, I find a lot of times that even in my own uh, PEAT program that we only have two PEAT faculty and it's, you know, even though I, we try really hard and but the majority of their classes are between these two faculty members and without those outside opinions and perspectives, it is, you know, you're only getting like a small kind of sliver of what the entire field has to offer oftentimes. So I, I definitely can see, um, yeah, why you're, you're aiming to do that. So going back to um, my original question of like, what, what is this consortium and, and like, what does it look like and how does it function? What is it? Um, yeah. So the, the, let's say we have a three goals we want to accomplish. So first goal, obviously this is a consortium is a support by U.S. Department of Education. So we want a training highly qualified scholars. So we propose training a minimum of 28 highly qualified doctorate scholars to become a leaders in the physical activity future. So that is a one goal. Second goal is we're trying to a scaffolding of you know, the, the collaborative you know, structure to help faculty and people who are not necessarily a part support by the U.S. Department of Education, but there are anybody who wanted to participate in our consortium meeting, they can participate. So, so trying to support the field. 
Third goal is we'll try to be creating some uh, research agenda and we try to accumulating knowledges to helping children with disabilities to promoting a better physical education services and promoting physical activity there. So we have uh, three different goals and we try to be accomplishing by you know, attacking a multiple different strategies to accomplishing those goals. I'm not sure it clearly explained to what, what we tried to do, but. Well, I, yeah, I think like let, if we could delve into those strategies a little bit, and I know like you're having like monthly meetings and so on and so forth. And um, could you talk a little bit about those strategies and what you're doing? Right now, Scott, we are a group of essentially um, nine faculty, one postdoc, and um, I think currently we have 22 scholars <clears throat> with the expectation <clears throat> that we're going to add um, at least six, but likely more scholars to be funded uh, starting next fall, fall 2021, when we'll have our entire cohort uh, rounded out. And so if anybody out there listening to Scott's podcast is interested in doctoral programs in adapted physical activity, there are still openings um, associated with this, um, with this grant. And so essentially what the funds have done is it's allowed each of the universities that are associated with our project to fully fund um, their students, which includes uh, stipend funds, tuition waivers, um, and even travel money. Um, and so um, we are, there are several formal things that we're doing um, to help train doctoral students as a group. Um, and it's essentially our enrichment program. And so all these doctoral students are enrolled in their, uh, their home university's doctoral programs. And so they're completing all those typical things that a doctoral or that a student would do. In addition to that, they're doing our three-pronged uh, three enrichment program. The first is our bi-weekly uh, Zoom meetings where um, we talk about a variety of different things and we have guest speakers who are, will be coming on uh, starting this spring. Uh, some of these are content heavy, like we're gonna dive into uh, theoretical foundations of adapted physical activity this spring. Second prong is we're, we'll have um, in-face meetings every summer uh, called the Summer Institute. And so we'll get together as a large group which will give us an opportunity to get to know each other better, but also to dive deeper into a variety of different topics. Um, and then lastly, we have um, funds to support students to do an exchange program for a short stay. And so if a student at one of the universities would like to go learn from a faculty at another one of the universities more intimately, um, we have the ability to support them in that, that manner as well. Um, and I'm looking forward to that personally, because I think um, as JK had talked about before, I think, you know, the students that work with here at ODU, while they interact with faculty at other places, um, they largely communicate with me, I communicate with them, and so we shape each other's perspectives, but having those other inputs um, would be really valuable, I think, to helping develop their perspectives toward our field. Does that answer the question you were trying to get to? Yeah, I think so. I think pretty, uh, pretty well. And, and so when we, you're talking about these different perspectives and such, and, you know, I, I'm even, I'm doing a study right now where we're kind of looking at the terms and such that we use to identify and, and to label our field of adapt physical activity and all the subdisciplines. And, you know, that that's something that you're kind of talking a little bit about is, is developing these perspectives towards the field and so on and so forth. Um, and it, to me, it sounds like 
you know, from this, we're trying to create a stronger science and, and trying to create a stronger field. It, you know, it's just really kind of a thought, but is that something that you all have seen being something of a weakness of ours that you think that we need to, maybe I know the people I'm talking to, <laughs> try to pull something out, but uh, it's something that maybe we need to strengthen as a field is who we are, what we're doing, um, and, and this consortium might be a, a medium to actually accomplish that in a meaningful way. Yeah, I, I really agree with your, your uh, evaluation of a relatively less focus on science. So, you know, I felt like people who are interested in field of that physical activity is very people-oriented people. And, you know, they're not necessarily strong, you know, inquisitive, scientifically, they're all trying to do whatever I'll taking it, you know, trying to figuring out the research question. So, you know, that, that is a way kind of a, as a field, we, you know, attracting the people. The challenging is, uh, so the field is such a warm, fudgy, very supported group. But challenging what we are dealing with is uh, higher education. One of our fundamental goals and mission is uh, creating, you know, advancement of our knowledge. And I, I don't think uh, we as a field has been necessarily strong in that endeavor. And as a field to survive, we really need to have a keep our good fudgy helping people mentality, but at the same time, we need to have a skill set to conducting a reasonable, you know, strong science. And I'm not talking about skill set as a, the research method I'm just familiar with. I, I believe I'm think I'm right, or, you know, the research skills, I don't think are in one right way. I don't know how to express this, but so that's why we bring the multiple different people and, you know, has some positive, you know, the dialect and give us to our scholars to have a different point of view. And eventually they need to be choosing one or the other to the methodologically how direction they want to go but they are understanding different perspectives and different point of view. I think that will be strengthening, you know, our scientific endeavor. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I've had conversations, I think with both of you before about how those things kind of need to be strengthened. And even my own training, a lot of times I feel like it's more into descriptives and, and so on than getting into uh, theory and so on and so forth. And it sounds like, you're able to do that. And I think the, the, the barrier that we have as a field is that we are by definition multidisciplinary. So we have people from exercise science or public health or physical education. Uh, and then they have this kind of adapted portion of it. And then we, you know, um, it might be difficult for us to collaborate or, you know, uh, and there's almost so many avenues to go down as a researcher that it almost complicates things in a way um so yeah yeah um, so i think i think uh somebody had called that a pancaking effect in our field a while ago where even if you just think about people interested in uh pedagogy in adapted physical activity there's still interest in all like a variety of different 
uh, topics and uh, disabilities and research methodologies. And so instead of us building like a tower of knowledge um, as a group, we're largely pancaking out and having a few people do a few things in a lot of different areas and us calling it one cohesive uh, field. But <clears throat> speaking to that, I mean, when we look at the people that JK and I get to work with in this consortium, I mean, I've got tons of respect for everybody that we have involved in this. And I mean, I think, again, like as a, a relatively young faculty member, I think that looking around and seeing you know, Sean up at University of Delaware and Marty at University of Virginia and Andrea and Samantha at West Virginia and Sam Logan at Oregon State and Deb down at Georgia State and Susanna at T TWU and Sam Hodge at Ohio State. I think I got everybody. Um, and thinking like not only are the students that we work with getting to learn from all these different people and all their different expertises and um, seeing perhaps like these different varieties of types of research they could do, but I also get to do it and I get to like learn about like what Sam Logan is doing out at Oregon State, which prior to this I hadn't interacted with him nearly at all. And now I'm listening to him talk about his research and I'm listening to his students talk about the type of research they want to do um, and their different interests. And so I mean, I think, you know, turning this back to this particular project, I think that in addition to the scholars getting a variety of different inputs and perspectives, I mean, me personally, I'm definitely growing as a scholar in the field from just being able to be part of something like this. And, and going back to your pancake effect where we're doing, you know, and I'm definitely somebody that's that's done that as a young scholar, uh, but it's also you can make a career in it, right? And like that you're in a good career of doing that in our field because there's so much out there um, to kind of look at it that it hasn't been looked at. But perhaps with the consortium for you as scholars, um, as well as your PhD students, you're able to maybe make connections that you didn't previously see and make that tower a little bit more. I don't know. Maybe. This I mean, that, that's part of the goal is that we're going to come together and find these cross perhaps cross-disciplinary because we are an interdisciplinary field, um, but cross-disciplinary ideas that we could start building on as groups. We could also identify big issues that a large cohort of people can take on together. When you're really thinking about is there, is there a lot of us thinking about one right way, you know, and sometimes I, I cross in that, that, you know, that, train of a thought, but some degree, I believe very constructionist of idea. So, you know, eventually, no matter how much we training, what we're doing it, the scholar student has to be developed their own things. And they need to bring the, the whatever we, we bring the, to them and they need to be put together as a, they, are, they need to making their own, own research agenda, own research field. So, some degree is great to see a different point of view and different perspectives is very crucial. I think we need to be much more targeting to a problem solving, which is a we identify problem. And then there are different perspectives and different people, different approaches trying to solving that problem together. Many times what we really was not able to doing is uh, we're trying to be solving the problem based upon my methodology, my way. But this consortium, 
idea is to bring the different point of view, different perspective. So we're all trying to solve the problem as a common goal, but there are many different ways of we can approaching it and engaging those activities. Hopefully scholar will understanding other point of view, but building their own competencies to solving problem based upon their point of view. When you're saying problem, you're saying um, the specific research problem that the scholars choose, or are there an overarching problem that you want them to kind of? There, anything we, we want to dealing with is uh, the, the solvable. So everything is overarching problem, but in order to be identified, problem has to be very specific. So I'll give you some example. The other day, scholars saying, and you know, people talking about a, you know, scholars say, I want to narrow down my research. And the person said, I'm interested in transition. And I forget that the other one, I'm interested in other things. For me, those things is not a research yet. They have a topic of interest, but they never identify problem. They never identify what they're going to solving it. And then number of people saying it, oh, there's great research question and da 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 And I was not really understood why that is a research question. That is a topics. And for me, research is a unit to be identify solvable problems. You know, why transition is not happening? I'm just giving you new question, you know, examples. You know, and you know, some of the things that's the how I approaching as a research. Whereas others may be approaching slightly different. It's not one or the other. But once we continuously different approaches are presented, and hopefully they're all figuring out how to solve the problem. Ultimately, we want to help children with disability. And ultimately, then we are able to accomplishing, you know, those research activity, you know, different way of approaching it, be able to solve those ultimate goals. I don't know, I kind of, I feel like I'm mumbling here. So. No, you're perfect. I think it's great. I think it's great. And I can understand that, like, maybe somebody from more of a, a qualitative perspective doesn't maybe see a problem, but more just wants to understand a phenomena kind of occurring that could kind of be a different way to kind of look at some of the things that you're talking about. And, and please. But even but understanding that phenomena is a problem because of, you want to understand because of assumption is you do not know that is a problem. So it's not a problem is we consider as everyday languages of a problem problem, but lack of understanding is a problem because of, you know, that really helped to understanding whatever we're going to do. So Let's um, let's talk a little bit about your first year. So this, and I think you all started in this fall semester was your first kind of, or was it, when was it? January. January, okay. So this is your first year though, um, starting. So you started in January and I know that a lot of your students have been rolling on, you know, uh, as new students this fall and such. Um, and so what have been some of the challenges and successes, especially with navigating the pandemic thus far? Well, so we started in January with, um, I believe we had five scholars that rolled on um, right away. And then we've 
bumped up now to, I believe I had mentioned before, I think it's about 22. That might include a couple that are coming on this spring. Um, but so we've now run um, a year's worth of our bi-weekly meetings. Uh, some things clearly have not happened like our in, our summer, in, uh, summer institute, that hadn't happened in the summertime because of the pandemic and we aren't doing exchanges or meeting in person. Um, but I think part, I think we are probably more successful than we would have been uh, given that we've established a lot of the stuff we're doing online and we were online prior to COVID happening. So our biweekly meetings are online and those haven't changed. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know what challenges we've come across related to the, the pandemic. What do you think, JK? So you know, there, as a scholarly issue, or you know, those things is is not I don't see as a as a real problem because we seeing as a biweekly online and you know the the engagement, so there was not major issue. But logistically, you know, we have a nine university involving it, so there are nine different way of doing things. So that is a you know administrating this grant is my because the learning is a I understanding nine different languages, nine different uh, way of budgeting, nine different rules. So these are all those things are probably much more challenging than actual content issues. You know, I, I see. You know, and then there are always the delay effect because, but you know, we 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 receiving fund from the U.S. Department of Education. And then we need to set the contract and we need, so it is a very slow process. So th those things, I'm not sure it is a, any actually podcaster listener <laughs> interested in because of logistic issue. Well, then what about your successes then? What have you seen as being the big success over your first year? One of the, the, the scholar from uh, the, the group mentioned that she really start to understanding different point of view. So what we're doing is a biweekly seminar. In fall term, we kind of give you about a lecture. And then, you know, as you, many people are aware that a Zoom talk with a number of people is extremely difficult, no exchanges really happening. So what we shifted was uh, we creating a small groups. So we give the big, you know, general, lecture and then use small groups. And then one downside is actually, I don't know what each group is really, what do they even discussing it? You know, but you know, we have at least one faculty there and group of people and we're trying to be mixing as much as possible. But one group I mentioned that is one of a person from different schools said, you know, first she really did not uh, see the value of research at all before but she really understood, you know, why research is needed to done and different point of view perspectives. So I think that really complex. It's not really tangibly showing, but is there, is there some a testimony that we're accomplishing what we're accomplishing. Also in biweekly seminar, we're supposed to have a right now maximum probably less than 30 as uh, people who are actually involving in consortium. Every week we have about in the near 50 people participate. So people who are not get funded from their, this grant actually participate. 
one of a student from the um, southeast part of a university doctor students send me email and there are no faculties involving, nobody is involving in that particular school, send me email that can I participate that biweekly seminar? So that person has a no funding is attached, no grant is attached, nothing is attached, but that person regularly participate in a, our biweekly seminar. So, so I think that is, uh, we really able to disseminate right now to what we know. So it is not only limited to people who are receiving fund, but also whoever really wants to know more about and learn more about and openly discuss about, I think we're providing opportunities. That's awesome. Um, I, my last question for you is, uh, where do you see the grant and consortium going? And, and when the grant's over, will this consortium still exist? Idea is, uh, so when, you know, this is less thinking about collaboration, okay? The, as you, you beginning of today, you mentioned about, you know, your chair, how you do, and, you know, I was in previous school, people trying to be collaborate and forced to collaborate. And I don't think that forced to collaboration is really creating collaboration. You know, it's a very superficial level. Collaboration is a really, you sit together and you're working together and you have to share the common values and in you know, multiple things happening. So once this grant is over, do we have a same shape of the, the consortium will be just, I, I do not know. But hopefully what we're accomplishing is uh, people trying to building some collaborated effort and working together collaboration and trying once going back to that solving bigger problems. You know, the, the, we identify problems and different expertise and different skill sets to working together to providing some solution to whatever we identify problems. In that sense, I think a consortium has a potential to keep going, you know, without money. Without money, do we able to set same type of, do we able to some exchange a program? Do we able to set some institute? I, I do not know. But those a method is uh, not that important for me. What really important is, uh, you know, people fully discussed what they believe and fully li, li, li working together to, to a whatever we identify problem to solving together from different point of view. I, I wanna piggyback on what JK is saying too, where you know, if we do our job right and we're successful with training 28 or more doctoral students, like the way I think about doctoral training is we're training people to essentially do what we're doing and take our jobs in the long run. Like there are going to be the people who are carrying the field. You know, there's going to be 28 or more people with PhDs who are at universities around the country who were trained through this grant. And so does this project exist in a formal way after the grant is finished? No idea. But will some of the things that we've learned as a group continue? And like, will the collaborations as JK had noted, will they continue on? Hopefully. I mean, you know, we, 
you know, Scott, you and I graduated relatively recently with our PhDs. And at the schools we were at, perhaps there were two or three people there that we worked with. Um, and those were relatively large um, programs, I, I think. And still not that many people were there. We're talking about putting people into a boat with 28 colleagues for the next 30 years that they got to know during this, this consortium, not to mention the faculty that they got to know. So hopefully um, we can instill like a more collaborative perspective and provide those opportunities that they, as JK saying, I feel like I'm just reiterating what JK said, um, but you know, so they could help answer big questions in a collaborative way. And, and really the ultimate goal of this a training is uh, whoever trained should be better than than previous generations. You know, whoever, if, if I, as a mentor, my student is not better than me after they graduate, you know, university next to several years, I think I fail as a mentor because we'll, in the last 20, 25 years, I accumulate some knowledges and I pass on to whatever note to my student. And those students, you know, learn those things for five years you know, over my 25 years experiences. And then they need to be add on to from there to moving forward. So idea of same things doing again or do exactly follow mentor is not a great idea. You know, what I seeing is uh, whatever we created you know, new new generation, you know, thinking something better and something different to adding and evolving to whatever need of that time, that society. You know, there, I have the very lucky to get training, probably the, the, the you know, the one of the best leaders in the, the field. And also I was, after I joined Oregon State, I was very lucky to get, get mentored by the, the senior people, you know, senior the person no, and really, I don't think I'm duplicate of them, even though they tremendously influence me. So whoever we, we train them, should it be, be learned from what our mistakes and what we accomplishment, and then we need to creating something better. So that can be consortium, that can be whatever. You know, those things is whoever we train and their jobs and their, whatever they can creating is their you know, I'm looking forward to actually see what they're creating it. We don't have to be this consortium format. So almost uh, I'm a little bit seen going back to that pancake versus tower kind of thing is we want people to build upon versus kind of spread out so much that they're not maybe accomplishing stuff. I, I think that's an awesome um, idea. I'm a big fan of just uh, concerted efforts towards mentorship. I really think that's how we can grow as people and, and you know, as the field. And, and I know I said this is my last question. I got one more um, that I want to ask you all. And, and that's, do you, so we're, we've talked about growing the field as a, as a, as a science and, and growing our community in a um, impactful way and solving more problems, maybe more systematically. Um, but do you also see this consortium as, growing the field because you're all going to put out 28 scholars in the field um, that are APA, APE people. Do you see this also growing with the number of faculty positions 
um, perhaps available and, and maybe also, you know, yeah, making the field larger um, with in that in that sense. I'm not sure I, I'm able to answer to that question, but what I know as a, not that this related to consortium, but as a chair, maybe chair is not high enough to even mention this type of things. But what I know about higher education is uh, uh, the status quo is not the way to go. A, a lot of uh, our colleagues may be thinking uh, the, the adult physical education has been lasted 30 years. So adult physical education has to be exactly going the same way. I don't think that's the, how system works. You know, also, the, the, I'll give you very, I don't know, you can cut off the this, you know, when you edit it, but I'll give you some, some examples of um, I using often. When you really, really need money, no bank will be loan money to you. When you have demonstrated you don't need to money, bank is willing to give you money. So when you have a good income, credit card company constantly sending you credit card using, 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 using. I think that's the what real, real world is. You know, sports, same thing. Your high school stars can go to small school and then get, they can start as a starter as freshman, but they want to go big program, which is even they're not able to have a game time. But everybody wants, many people want to go to the big name school. The higher education, I, I seeing it. Or well, society, I, I don't see any differences. People who are doing well will grow. And people who are not doing well, you know, unless we demonstrate real clinical needs, will not going to go continue. So higher education position is the same thing. Our faculty numbers are teaching, quality teaching, recruiting a lot of students, conducting good research, number of publications, bring the grants, that field can grow. And that position actually can, we can creating more positions. Whereas uh, we're not teaching that many students, we're not conducting good quality research, we're not doing any of those who are higher education expected, then those field will going disappear. Or what, you know, those field will be be you know abolished maybe too you know stagnant well you know stagnant and uh, abolished so for me is uh is a consortium can save the field <laughs> who knows how do i know but for me is uh is a uh, being competent and being skilled will will save the job that, that's how i sing it this is a lessons I learned is uh, a lot of us trying to associate with a program with name of a university. But those university will be comes and goes. I think the programs and positions and future is uh, depend on people. And we are, if we are able to recruiting and training right people, people will grow. You know, whereas uh, if we're not able to recruit and training right people, no matter how great that program is, the program will be demolished. Wow, I think that's 
those are some powerful words uh, and something maybe to end on. That was that was awesome. Um, and I think some words to kind of reflect on. Um, and so, you know, my last kind of my last thought is just, um, you know, I, I'm very excited. How many excited. last thought you want to have it? This is not a question. So this is just this a is summary. Third last thought. Yeah, my third last thought. My last thing, though, is just that, you know, I was talking to Barry LeVay, Dr. Barry LeVay uh, recently, and um, who recently retired from California State University, Long Beach. And we were just saying that this is such a phenomenal thing that you're all doing. And it's something that's actually new and something that's, I think, really going to move the field. Uh, and we were just saying this is probably the biggest thing in our field since, you know, APINS, um, you know, just as as a as something kind of, yeah, pushing us and, and making us uh, different and look at things differently. So thank you very much for all your hard work and thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me and us and, you know, thank you. And I really want to, to give you, you know, also credit to Justin and all our partners, you know, because they're, they're, you know, those effort is not just to be able to accomplish without our partners and particularly Justin to, you know, hardworking for their good two years of uh, grant writing, so. I think I aged five years in those two years, but it's well worth it, man. And like I said, it's a, such a good learning experience, you know, like. I lost all hairs because of that. <laughs>